Thanks for tuning in to the Westbridge Church Podcast, where our mission is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. We'd love for you to check out our website, westbridgedanville.com, for additional resources. Here's today's message by Pastor John McDougall. As we open God's Word together, the first words of 2024, the sense the Lord leading me to this year, Psalm 16, verse 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. As we uh, come to this new year, excited to, uh, to journey with you after Christ. Happy New Year to everyone. And Excited to do a core workout together today. We, we are, as we launch this new series, we're calling it Core Work. And the idea flows out of a moment that we had way back in, we were living in Wisconsin at the time. Quickly entering that culture, realized that uh, the German influence there in Wisconsin made soccer the primary sport. When you had your homecoming night, it was usually around a soccer game versus or a football game, what football is to Texas or what basketball is to Indiana, soccer is to Wisconsin. So our kids were young and they quickly jumped into the soccer mix, but Tam and I had, did not, had not played soccer. So we were wondering how to train up our kids and help them win in that game. Thankfully, there was a pastor on staff at our church there who was very skilled at soccer. He had played for the University of Wisconsin. He actually uh, led the Big Ten in scoring one year. And so one day, I remember we, we were uh, just hanging out there at church and said, Hey, Casey, what would you, what, where would you start with, with uh, developing soccer skills? And immediately, without thinking, he said, core. It's the core. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And then, but, but what about like speed drills or, or foot drills or any of those things? He went right back to, it's the core, man. It's the core. It's why it all starts with the core. A strong core allows you to move, to, to defend, to attack, to score, to win the ball, win the game. It starts with the core. And so, as I thought about that, that in the spiritual realm, as we follow Christ through a life full of trials, so it is. Strong core is essential. You say, well, what do you mean by core? And I mean how we respond and reflect to a trial, responding according to the word of God, leads to the, uh, the win, the success, and helps us in live out our life mission for God's glory. So last week I mentioned one thing we know, we can predict with 100% certainty, we will all face trials this coming year. We'll all probably face a trial this coming week. And they come at us like waves, don't they? they? Some are big, some are small, but they just keep coming. And they can either propel us into our life mission and live out for the glory of God, whatever he's called us to do, or they can crush us. And so the good news today, and, and as we were worshiping, I was just celebrating, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that you have given us a word of revelation that is truth. That it is everything that we need to not be crushed by our trials, but rather to be propelled by them and to know that God in his sovereignty and his loving providence is, is actually allowing these trials to, to shape us into the image of his son and to help us in our life mission. So as uh, throughout this, this series has kind of been marinating in my soul over the past couple of years in studying God's word, if you look at the whole of God's word, 
This is a biblical theology of trials in that there are really four, what, what I'm seeing, four categories of trial emerge. And so this graphic, we'll, we'll follow this graphic throughout this series. Each category, we'll look at a core text. There will be a, a one word that will summarize the category. But what's unique is each category has a unique response that God calls us to, or, or a unique reflex. So not every trial is the same. And God instructs us in his word. He gives us revelation to know when a certain kind of trial comes, reflex this way, and boom, we're able to, um, it's, it propels us. In the middle, and appreciate Abby Bickle putting this slide together, this circle, as you look at this graphic throughout this series, there, this represents, I call it the circle of overlap and mystery. So the trials, each category of trial will have some overlap in it. And it's not, it's, they're not super clean. And so the category we'll look at today, there will be overlap, but there's also an element of mystery. God has revealed very clear in his word how to respond and reflex to, to each category. And yet within each category, there's a part of it we will never understand. We, we just won't understand. And Deuteronomy 20, 29, 29 is such a comfort as he reminds us, hey, the secret things, they belong to God, but what he has revealed to us, they're for us and our children to, to help us forever. And, and so we rest in the mystery, but, but we also need to look to the revelation to be equipped to follow him. So my hope is that uh, during this series, over the next, through January, that the toughest part of winter, God gives each of us this paradigm that we can groove And then when a trial comes your way, boom, you're reflexing according to the word of God, making the most of that trial as you follow him. And so the key or the key word today, we'll start in the upper left quadrant. And the key word is testing. You could write out testing is the word to remember. Our text is James chapter one, one to eight. And we'll go ahead and just dive right in there. James chapter one, Verse 1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply uh, summarizing his, his eyes locked on our, our Lord. He's a servant of God. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. And so we know James is writing to the, uh, the 12 tribes. They probably represent the Jews in the first century church. And James was a, a pastor there in Jerusalem, a church leader. We know in Acts 8, the church was scattered by persecution. And so God's word went out, but, but Jews who were scattered throughout the nations had very little social standing. They often faced significant trial for their faith. We know that James, remember James is a brother of Jesus. So he watched Jesus live. We know also that he, he, uh, he faced trial and he was faithful. He was, he was uh, executed for his faith in AD 62. So... Here's what he writes. James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. We read that and immediately we're thinking, what? (laughs) Did you just say pure joy whenever facing trials? Like, how do we respond to a trial with pure joy when we're experiencing pure pain, very real pain. As we hear him say this, I think this is one of the most, uh, struggle to find the word, but it's difficult, um, 
maybe the best word is radical mindset shifts God calls us to in our spiritual journey as we follow Christ. It's significant that the first words that he uses as he goes to, to share this letter, write this letter to the people he loves, are considerate, pure joy. It's the first thing he says, first line. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I think it's, it's significant in that it's lifting the importance of joy as a follower of Christ. It's as if he's saying, hey, to those I love out there, those who are going through, you're being tested for, in your faith, you're, you're facing trials, fight for joy. Fight for joy. When a trial comes your way, joy is essential to enduring it. Consider it pure joy. And just a side note here, this doesn't mean that this isn't God's calling to be emotionally inauthentic and not to deal with our very, the whole realm of, of human emotion. And if you've walked with us as a church family for a while, you know um, we want to be a safe place where wherever you're at, whether you're doing good, whether you're not doing good, you can be honest and vulnerable and open. And we know that our Lord experienced the whole range of emotions and was open with his emotions. The the sadness and the sorrow and the, the frustration and the anger. James isn't calling us not to feel those things or to process those things. In fact, later on in James, he'll say, um, he'll call us to grieve and to weep and to wail over things that, that need to be grieved. We know that um, in Scripture, there's actually, there's actually an entire genre of lament, which is really God inviting us to process the hard things of life with him in an honest way. But the joy he's calling us to here is a very real, and it does affect our emotions, but it's that deep assurance, that deep conviction anchored in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ as Lord over all things, this hard circumstance included, that that creates this well of joy, this, this spring of joy that's from God. And so the reflex here is consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Trial comes our way, consider it pure joy, which, which we immediately say, okay, James, how? How does this work? How do I reflex with joy when I'm in pain? And the answer begins to take shape as we understand some of the language that he's using. The word he uses for trials is actually, can actually be translated test. And in the, as it's used throughout the Greek culture, it's used to prove something genuine and also to develop something. So it's used of a bird testing its wings in flight. So a bird tests its wings so that it can grow in its capacity to fly well. It's used to describe the process of metal being tested, where it's purified in a refiner's fire, but then it comes through that fire even stronger. So here we learn a trial that that, uh, James has in view here is not something that that is meant to crush us, but something that's meant to create something in us. A trial is not meant to destroy us, but it's meant to develop us. This is helpful to know as we think about the word trial, but it also, it still leaves the question of how does this, how do we do this? How, How does this, how can we reflex with pure joy as the trials come? The answer is found in the first three words of verse three, where James goes on to write, Because you know something. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know. 
How can we respond to our trials with pure joy? We know something to be true. And what's beautiful about this text is there are three truths that God just hands us. Three truths that he says, okay, know these, see these, live with these, and these are how, when a trial comes your way, you can consider it pure joy. We see the first one there in the second part of verse 3. is He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So the, the first truth, truth one is this, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There are three key words in this this uh, verse that, that help us understand this and fully understand what he's getting at. The first one is what he means by testing. Once again, it, it's, it's the word uh, uh, dakamai in Greek, but it's that idea of, of bringing something, giving uh, similar to the word trial and test, they, they work together, but really it's testing something to prove it genuine and to develop it, help it help it mature. The, uh, the second word, you say, okay, what's being tested? And it's um, clear here, he is testing or developing in a trial our faith. The question is, in a trial, what God gives us the, the opportunity to do is trust him to carry this moment. The question, will I, will I trust God to carry this, the moment, in, in what I'm going through here? And then as our faith is tested, the third word there is per, it produces perseverance. Perseverance is that compound word, hupomane in Greek, that means to bear up under something. And in bearing up under that, as we bear up under it, we grow, we develop, and we come out of the trial even stronger. And so the testing of our faith is developing an enduring grit, a perseverance, a capacity to, to bear up under a hard thing, trust God to carry the moment, carry on through that, even in the face of opposition. So the trials of life, little and big, come to test our faith, and in the testing, perseverance is produced. So as a trial arrives, we're thinking, all right, this is an opportunity to trust God with this moment. The question that we're asking, am I going to trust God to carry this moment? Am I going to trust God to carry this moment? Am I going to rely on his sufficiency, rest in his his sufficiency as Jesus Christ, the Lord over all things, even as I process through the pain of this trial, even as I, I cry real tears, I hurt, real hurt, and, and uh, I'm processing through whatever it may be, often the cloud of uncertainty, will I trust him? So it's in the trial that we exercise our faith. God created us as, a, uh, as humans with a, um, a desire and a capacity to have a sense of control over our lives. And we know it's one of the four pillars of, of mental health is a sense of um, control, that we have our hands on the steering wheel of our life and, and we can kind of guide our life through the, um, through the various, uh, the roads that, that, that we go. So if God were to ask you today, do you trust me? Like, yeah, I trust you. With our hands on the steering wheel, we're good driving along, I trust you, Lord. And then he'll say through trial, okay, let me take the wheel. And all of a sudden, that sense of control, that sense of, is like, okay, he's got my life. How are you doing now? (laughs) It's the test, right? And am I controlled by fear and anxiety and freaking out? Or am I... or am I led by, or am I resting in him and, and uh, 
full of faith and, and trusting him. And the first, you know, uh, trials in our lives, he's, he's gentle and he, we, we hold on to the wheel and, he, he ta- and we release it to him and we drive a block maybe. And then he says, all right, let's go a mile. All right, let's go two miles. All right, let's some trials, let's go to Texas. And we grow um, persevering and perseverance as we trust him. Our faith grows. The gift of a trial is that it forces us to let go of that steering wheel and exercise our faith. So consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. We say how? Because we know that the testing of our faith is developing perseverance. On to the second truth, verse 4. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. So the second truth is perseverance produces maturity. I don't know if you feel this, you guys, with the just the hope and the that explodes out of this reality, out of this text, as we see God's intention for each one of us and our spiritual transformation. His intention, his desire is for you to be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Isn't that great? That word mature is the, uh, it's the Greek word we, come, we, we often uh, come to as we talk about being a disciple, but it's, it's a teleon. It's being full grown in our faith, in our, in our likeness to Christ. We won't be perfect, but we can be mature. It's uh, strong, being strong to, to do what he's called us to do. The word complete carries the idea of um, every part of your character being rounded out and your, your, your soul being rounded out and finished and, and completed. It's the picture of a house that's uh, ready to live in. So, you know, everything's hooked up. You got the... The heat's coming in, the water's coming in, it's got a fridge, it's got a bed, it's like your life is, is complete. And then the f- next phrase he uses is not lacking anything. And this is the idea of you're ready for the fight. Like there's not a glaring deficiency in your soul that when you go out into life, the enemy of your soul can take you out. You, you're not lacking anything. You're, you're fully equipped, ready to go do, be who God created you to, what he created you to do and be. And so when a trial comes our way, our joy is not in the trial, the pain of that trial, but it's in knowing that God is using this trial to actually transform me to, into uh, more like his son. A trial is powerful to propel us into his presence, isn't it? Man, a trial pushes us into the, the presence of God and into that intimacy where we, uh, we want to be with him in prayer, in his word. We're seeking his help through his word. A trial is powerful to, to check our pride, isn't it? Lead us into humility and being more like Christ in that way. A trial is powerful to push us into community, the community of faith. And rather than living in isolation, it, we move towards people and, and to receive love, but also to give love and to, uh, to connect with the body of Christ. A trial is powerful to form in us the heart of God with empathy and compassion and sympathy for other people that are going through similar trials. And we, we awaken to what that feels like and, and seek to help them. And it's in the persevering through the trial that, that we, are, we are transformed. So here's the question. Am I embracing this trial as a pathway to maturity? When it comes to trials... They come in all sizes and shapes. It's interesting, James here doesn't identify one type of trial, but he says, he uses the word um, 
trials of many kinds, and it's that idea of just various trials, every, every different size. So you have little trials, and often the little trials catch us off guard, don't they? It's like the, the battery in the car that dies and just erases the daily schedule. The, uh, you know, when the kids get sick right before Christmas, and, ah, oh, man, here we go. The, uh, the coworker at work who just jabs you or, or a, a relational conflict at home that just turns a good day into, ah, man, tough day. Little trials, and then you have the big trials. Those, I've said before, those moments when the ground beneath your feet just kind of shake, and you know life will not be the same. Um, the diagnosis that is going to change everything, the, the divorce that is pending and, and will probably play out, the death of a loved one, and just that season of, of life with them coming to an end. The trials come in all sizes and shapes. And I, as I was preparing this message, just wanted to um, preface it today and also throughout this series that I know... Uh, many of us are going through significant trials right now and just want you to know that um, we want as a church family to be Christ to you if you are in a trial. And please, please, please know we would love to walk with you through that, pray with you through that, be of whatever help that we can be. And I pray even through these series uh, through January that God would just use even the text today, but also each week just to bring healing and comfort and strength to you. But as James calls us to consider it pure joy because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance, the comfort in this is knowing that God is transforming me through this trial, that he has not forgotten about me, but that rather that I have received or he has allowed this trial to come, and it's through the hands of a loving father, his loving providence, that, uh, that he will use this to mature me, to, to grow me, to complete me so that I, I lack in nothing. Say, so how does this happen? And, and this is the challenge that flows out of this second truth. It's perseverance that leads to maturity. So we have to stay in the trial. We have to stay on the potter's table, if you will, as God shapes us. A couple of illustrations came to my mind with, with how this works. Perseverance is essential to the maturity. Back in college, I, one summer, I hurt my wrist. I think I fell on it wrong or whatever. And I, at that time, was uh, at my prime in my basketball career pursuing intramural championships at college. So, so this was definitely a minor trial in the whole realm of things. But it was part of my life at that time, so it was a trial. So I couldn't shoot. So I thought, ah, oh, man. And I'd often use basketball for a workout, too. So what am I going to do? And then I thought, hey, I'll use this summer to learn how to shoot left-handed. I, every, the rest of me was healthy. So I started, um, I'd go down to Ellis Park and do the, the hoops workout and, and shoot, you know, 300 shots. But instead of going right-handed, I'd go left-handed. If I had only practiced left-handed shots for a week, how good would I have been at the end of the summer? I mean, I could do it, but I would not have been proficient at it. But the trial, a wrist that was out for the summer, forced me to persevere in developing something that I needed to develop, my other hand. And by the end of the summer, I was mature, complete, ready to chase that intramural championship t-shirt. Bragging rights for an entire year. I had my right hand, I had my left hand ready to go. Think about your character development, a sin in your life that needs to be extracted. 
it's destroying you, it's hurting the people around you, is that sin going to be torn away from your soul in a day or in a week? Probably a lot longer. So what's going to keep you in that place of humility, in that place of seeking God's help? It's a trial. And so we persevere. We, we say, God, what do you, whatever you're doing in this trial, do it, and I'll stay on your potter's table until you've taken away the sin. Now, take virtue. How long does it take to add a virtue? You, you want to grow in a virtue. Maybe your one word is one of these virtues. It's going to take some time. So how are you going to stay? Uh, how's, how's that going to work? It's through the trial. God shapes us to be more like Christ. And it's his timing. And that's the tough thing about a trial, isn't it? I wish we could control the timing of it, but it's his control. But we trust him in that and we persevere through that. Another quick illustration on the relational side. When I uh, blew my knee several years ago and had to go six weeks non-weight bearing, I couldn't run around the house and do all these things. So I was forced to sit in the chair and Tam sat across in the other chair, and she said, this has been the best six weeks of our life for our marriage, because you'll sit there and talk to me, and I'm like, man, now, same thing, it took six weeks for me to, to learn that lesson, that the, the most important relationship in my life right now is my wife, and yet I tend to busyness, I'm off to the next project, but, but that sat me down there for six weeks to invest in, that, in her and in that relationship, and it brought joy to me, I love those moments, even yesterday, I went over to that same chair, I sat down with a cup of coffee, and we talked. How did that get formed into me? It was through a trial where God broke through my hard-headedness in terms of you got to accomplish and said, no, John, relationship with your wife, love her like this. And and it shaped me, and I benefit from that. We continue to benefit from that. That's how God works through the trials. C.S. Lewis writes, imagine yourself living in a house, as a living house, and God comes to rebuild the house. At first, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You know those jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts horribly and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. He's throwing up a new wing here, putting up an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace he intends to come and live in himself. And so uh, what a gift to know that God is at work shaping us, molding us, maturing us through our trial. So as the trial arrives, we lock in on this truth. My father is at work Perseverance is creating maturity. But the immediate question as we look to the trial that comes to mind is, how do I navigate this moment? You know, trials often bring us to those times when we're just not sure what to do. How do we get through this? It's unfamiliar territory. And this is where we come to the third truth uh, that, that moves us to joy. It's in verse five where he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. 
And so the third truth here is wisdom is one prayer away. What a gift God has given to us and a promise to claim and to treasure and to live on. Wisdom is skill in living. It's not just knowledge, but knowing how to use our knowledge. And here God is giving us this promise, just ask, just ask. And don't you love, you see the heart of our father as he says, whoever asks, he will give generously to all without finding fault. It's not like he's, he'll say, hey, didn't I teach you that last year this time and, and now you're asking me again? <laughs> it's like, no, he will give generously and it's, it's not um, finding fault in us. He does give us a warning though as he says, when we ask, we should ask with a bold and a sincere faith, not doubting. And so um, God will not give wisdom to us when we ask in a way that we're not trusting his generosity or his ability to give us wisdom. James paints the picture of a, a wave in the ocean blown and tossed by the wind, unstable. It's that idea of coming to God and saying, I don't know if he's really going to give this. And then if he does, saying, I don't know if I'll really go his route. I, I may choose my way versus his way. When we come to him for wisdom, we come with a, a sincere faith, that saying, Lord, I believe you can give, and when you give, I will follow. This year, our, it's been uh, fun to track with our daughter, Jessie, as she's beginning her career as a nurse, and she is at St. Vincent in the ortho trauma unit, where people often come in very sick, and um, if you happen to end up there, I'm, I hope you don't, I'm sorry, but if you do and you have her, you are blessed with a compassionate angel watching over you. She is, and I'm a little biased, but she is really good at what she does. But she's starting out, and it's been interesting to hear her process some of those tough moments when you, Purdue, uh, man, prepared her amazingly for this job, gave her all the book knowledge and as much as they could give in the classroom. But there are times when you get out on the job, they just couldn't prepare you for that moment. And she describes the uh, gratitude she has that she can pick or she can go talk to her charge nurse in a situation that she's not sure what to do and say, what do I do here? This person is not responding to this or that and their health is on the line. How do I best care for them? And the charge nurse, she says, is all over it. Like, boom, here it is, wisdom. Ah, oh, what a precious gift isn't it, guys, as we see trials coming our way, they're going to lead us to those moments that we don't know the way through. And yet God, the living God, the creator is saying, ask me for wisdom and I will give it to you generously and without finding fault. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. This week as I was living in this truth and just asking the Lord, what's the burden of the text for my heart and for the hearts of our our church family, the phrase that I could not shake all week was pure joy, pure joy, pure joy. And, and it just was, uh, man, filling my heart with gratitude to think that God's desire, Jesus came to take our sin upon himself, die for, for us on the cross through faith, allowing us to enter into a relationship with the living God and let us be his children and have a place in his kingdom and to step into that kingdom today so that today, as we walk through trials and as we walk through this fallen world, there is one constant, one constant that no trial can touch through every step, every day of our journey, pure joy. <laughs> and I was convicted because that's not describing me all the time. 
And yet that's God's intention. It's his will. It's, his, it's a possibility. And I love it that, that it's like, he didn't say, just suck it up, grin, and bear it. Get, get, get by with some mediocre, like some low-grade joy. He says, pure joy. It, it means complete. It means to the brim. It means a soul full of joy. This is our inheritance as children of God, followers of Jesus Christ. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I was thinking that James doesn't tell us why joy, but we know as we look to the whole of Scripture, the joy of the Lord is our strength, isn't it? It's what fuels us through the trials. It's a joy that encourages the people around us, our teammates. It brings lift. It also is a witness to a watching world. And the most important thing, it is bringing glory to God as we put our hope and our trust in Him, a deep assurance that He's got us, that, he, that we can rely on His sufficiency. And so when the trials come this week, little or big, and we experience the test, we know this is, this is in the quadrant of test, how do we respond? Consider it pure joy, James says, and we say, but how? How? When I'm not feeling the joy. Three truths to remember. The testing of my faith is developing perseverance. And perseverance has a work to do in my life. It is making me mature, complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance produces maturity. And when I wonder, how do I get through this trial? Wisdom is but a prayer away. And these truths propel us to consider it pure joy. And joy propels us to follow him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that that you would give us the grace to live this out, to apply this to our lives, to, um, to consider it pure joy. As we face circumstances that are hard, God, I lift up my brothers and sisters here today and know in a room this size that we're all going through so many things as we look to this week. And, and Lord, I pray that this would be um, truth that just fuels us to grow to be more like Christ. I pray, even in these moments, that you would do your transforming work through your word. We thank you and we praise you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to talk with someone about today's message, you can contact us through our website, westbridgedanville.com. And we'd love to help you take your next step in your walk with Jesus.